This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, I'm Roshan Kunison and welcome to Open for Business. Digital investment managers or robo-advisors, as they are more commonly known, have been touted as a way to improve accessibility to investment products by going digital and lowering associated costs, such as removing sales fees and even lowering annual management fees. While names such as Stashway and Wyatt Invest may be more well-known in this space here in Malaysia, there are many other players in the scene, and one of them is Raise Malaysia, a joint venture between Raise Invest Australia Limited and Promodalan National Berhad, more commonly known as PNB. Raise is differentiating itself by helping users invest their spare change, similar to US robo-advisor Acorns. Essentially, they round up purchases from linked debit cards and credit cards and invest that amount into the portfolio the user has chosen. However, if that's not your cup of tea, users can still invest normally using regular or one-time deposits. Today, I'm speaking with Raise Malaysia CEO ID Izam about their strategy to compete with other digital and traditional asset management firms, how much of an advantage it is having PNB in their corner, and much more. ID, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, ID, as I, I briefly explained that how Raise works, you know, so for example, if someone buys a cup of coffee using a registered card, uh, let's say it's five ringgit 30 cents, 70 cents would then be automatically invested into a portfolio of my choice. Now, while this is a nice passive way of getting people to start saving money or, you know, saving money here and there, uh, does investing spare change really address the retirement challenges that we're seeing here in Malaysia? You know, it, it's novel and it's nice, but is it more of like a marketing tool to get people in? Well, um, spare change uh, investment, how do we use it for is merely as a hook to get investors in mm. and then slowly uh, transition them into other features and perhaps to more sophisticated products as we grow together with them. So that's the whole idea of spare change investment. So a little bit of a hook to get them started, to get them used to this idea of trying out your platform, get a feel for it essentially. Yes. Now, based on the Securities Commission's 2022 annual report, assets under management for licensed uh, robo-advisory firms are still quite small, about $1.4 billion versus the $488 billion in AUM held by unit trust funds as at end 2022. Now, while DIMS or Digital Investment Managers have seen strong growth since starting, there's still a lot of room to grow here. But this does seem to be a challenge given that most people are used to, you know, either being sold an investment product by humans or agents or relying on things like EPF and uh, or fixed price A, S and B funds that we're all more used to. Um, give us a sense of the traction that Raise has gotten in Malaysia, you know, through its uh, through using AUM growth. What's it been like here? Um, well, we launched uh, back in July 2020. Um, as we speak, uh, as at um, August uh, 31st, we have recorded so far more than 800,000 signups. Um, in terms of um, asset and management that we have managed, uh, that we are currently managing, it's close to uh, 50 million uh, ringgit. That's that is not much, uh, I would have to say. But considering um, those are mainly coming from your daily spare change, so that is something that we are very proud of doing. I would say. 800,000 users or 800,000 signups. Sign-ups yeah. uh, how many of them are active users? Can active you tell us? users, uh, about uh, 120,000, about that. 
Aidy, can you give us a sense of what the key customer acquisition strategies have been for Raise Malaysia since starting? How have you gotten those signups and raised that 50 million in AUM? Right. Um, as you know, Raise is a robo advisor, uh, digital investment manager. Um, so we are 100% digital. So the main acquisition tool is uh, digital, mm. uh, apart from those uh, social medias. Um, but uh, on top of that, uh, we also work with, we piggyback on um, our very strong shareholders mm. because there is a strong element of trust there, which, uh, you know, that helps us a lot, especially for a very new uh, startup like us. So, yeah, that has been the strategy all this one. Through the digital channels, um, could you maybe break down the 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 share of, I guess, acquisition between uh, digital marketing channels and how much PNB or having your shareholders name with you uh, made a difference? Well, the acquisition mainly comes from all this channel. You mm-hmm. name it, Facebook, uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Oh, sorry, X. <laughs> um, and uh, the support from this uh, from PNB mainly uh, comes in terms of branding, mm-hmm. the strength of the brand you know the trust especially um, we notice you know at the initial years of operation uh, trust is uh, indeed a challenge yeah. um, especially for for a new startup like us so that is uh, you know how PNB plays its role because I can imagine for most other players the customer acquisition costs a lot of it can come from the fact that you're trying to build trust with people Correct. but you have a name brand uh, in Malaysia here with you PNB and ASNB funds as well which gives you you know a bit of a leg up in terms of building trust with a large segment of the population um, I know you've primarily been looking at digital as a way of acquiring customers, but at some conversations I've had with other uh, robot advisors, they started to look at non-digital ways of connecting with customers, acquiring customers. So things like, you know, uh, tapping into financial planning firms and licensed financial planners, agency forces out there. Mm-hmm. Um, has Raise Malaysia been looking to expand distribution or customer acquisitions through any partnerships or collaborations, maybe even, you know, an e-wallet or a super app, for example? Uh, well, if you're talking about offline, the short answer is no. Mm. Uh, but potential collaboration, of course. Um, we are talking to... Our, you know, we have 100 over brand partners under under Race Rewards. So we are working with some of them to expand our our reach. That is one way. And of course, uh, other than that, the, um, you know, the normal roadshow that we are doing. Um, and worth to mention that we are also a participant uh, of PNB's Minggu Samamana um, mm. Malaysia every year. So, yes. So, online, but the only offline things we're talking about, the roadshow, for example, mm. and raise rewards. Now, that's quite an interesting um, tool, right? Rewards programs are very uh, very powerful in keeping people tapped into a platform here. How does raise rewards work? Because if we look at the other um, players, I haven't seen a similar kind of uh, rewards program. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think of rewards, I think of things like you know your Starbucks or your Grab points, where you spend and then you get points for that. Right. Is that how uh, Race Rewards works? Right. So this is where Race uh, is different from the rest, uh, the rest of the um, 
investment managers, I would say, um, whereby what we do is we tap into something that people are already familiar with. Simply put, we don't ask people to change their behavior. Like, you know, my mom would say, if I want to buy a house, I need stop spending and start saving for your down payment. But we don't tell people that. We don't ask people to change their behavior. Instead, we tap into something that they are very familiar with, i.e. spending. Mm. shopping so we tell people hey how about as you spend you save as you spend you save right so uh, that's it uh, number one tool that we are using is of course uh, save your spare change from your everyday purchases that's number one and to strengthen that value proposition that is where risk reward comes into the picture so how risk reward works is we work with brand partners you know um just name one the you know the the usual one that you are shopping with Shopee Lazada Malaysia Airlines uh, even Pusat Zakat Kuala Lumpur mm. PPZ right so how this work is uh, once you log into your race app you will see all these brands in your race app so you just have to click at that brand one time and then you will be taken to the uh, to the brand's own uh, app and what you do you just shop as usual you know so the act of clicking we are able to track your activity there once your we have completed your purchases uh, after number of, well depending on each brand you will receive your cashback your affiliate fee or something right yep after several weeks or several months so that cashback will go back into your race account in the form of savings but so I have to make sure that I use the race app first, click on the link, and then I'm transported there. So that there's that tracking. Right. Correct. That that is quite an interesting feature, or quite an interesting way to go about it. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you instead of absorbing the affiliate fee that you'd get for it or the commission you get from it, you are passing it back to the consumer. Yeah. Um, ID, we got to go into a few messages. We will be back in just a bit to continue this discussion, folks. I've been speaking with ID Izam, CEO of Raise Malaysia, a joint venture between Australian robo advisor Raise Invest and Pramodala National Brahad. I'm Roshan Khan. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. Hey, folks, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison, and this morning I've been speaking with ID Izam, CEO of Raise Malaysia. They're a joint venture between Australian robo advisor Raise Invest and PNB, that's Pramodala National Berhad. Um, before I ask you a little bit about PNB and the working relationship there, um, you know, big differentiators for DIMS in the past have been their digital first nature, their comparatively lower costs, and easy access to global exposure. Um, is that still a differentiator today, given how much we take these things for granted? Uh, I would say yes. I would say yes. So with, so with race, um, you know, when you start investing, uh, basically you are having access to all these um, global investment assets, right? Um, but of course, the main constituent of our portfolios uh, that uh, varies across uh, all asset classes. Um, you have, you know, just it's just all asset classes, like equity, global equity, domestic equity, uh, fixed income, um, even gold. And that will be, well, more will be added. Yeah, because it's quite curious to see, you know, because um, on one hand, I can see how di these digital first approaches have become quite 
uh, normal. But at the same time, there's still a lot of people who are using human agents to uh, get their unit trust funds. So maybe there's still a differentiating factor there. Um, that said, uh, let's talk a little bit about the partnership. So Race Malaysia is a joint venture between PNB and Race Australia. How closely does Race Malaysia work with both PNB and Race Australia? Right. Um, just uh, for your info, Race Australia is uh, a listed entity uh, in Australia. They are the biggest uh, micro-investing platform there in Australia. And um, PNB, of course, the largest asset manager in Malaysia. So I think PNB uh, shares the common uh, mission and vision that Race has, i.e. to lower down the barrier to start investing, uh, financial inclusions, elevating the level of financial literacy and whatnot. So we work very closely with both shareholders. Um, you know, uh, meetings, um, not monthly, but weekly uh, with both shareholders. And of course, as and when we need uh, help, you know, assistance in whatever forms, uh, that they, they, they are, we will go back to our shareholders. So, so they have been a, a very good shareholder. PNB is a very strong partner for any asset manager to have, let alone just raise Malaysia. Um, that's it. This partnership does have certain conditions that come with it, right? So of raises of raise Malaysia's four portfolios, three primarily use funds from ASNB, or that's Amana Saham National Brahad, which has a very heavy local uh, bias there. And um, I mean, unfortunately uh, for all Malaysians, the Malaysian equity market has underperformed generally uh, other markets in the region and global markets. On top of that, raise Malaysia uses unit trust funds instead of ETFs like the other robo advisors, which comes with higher expense ratios and sometimes, and most of the time, higher management fees. Um, ID, how does this factor into your ability to compete with other people? Because this does seem like it puts you at a disadvantage to your competitors in the space. Right. Um, of course, at the during uh, the inception, um, you know, the idea of onboarding PNB funds would be um, the fastest and easiest way uh, to do it. Um, but after you know, completing three full years of operation, we are undergoing um, a portfolio review, a three-year portfolio review. And uh, subject to that review, uh, investors may see a new asset class outside uh, PNB. Uh, well, so far, we don't uh, deny that fact. Um, so to say, to, to include PNB funds in the portfolio, uh, it's not a mandatory. So as a, as a digital investment manager or a portfolio manager, um, investors' interest is still number one. So onboarding PNB funds at the start was just a matter of getting started. But as you go forward, especially with your custom portfolios that you mm -hmm. have right now, we could be seeing more liberalization of the way the funds are managed, or at least the selection of funds? Yes, there will be more. Uh, could, can we expect to see ETFs onboarded in the future? Well, well, the reason of onboarding uh, UTF in the first place is because, as you may be aware, Malaysians generally are very familiar with UTF. Mm. Um, and perhaps that in terms of operations, uh, that would be the easiest way. And I think after three years, we kind of get more comfortable with UTF. Uh, but that said, we are not denying the fact that uh, 
we may uh, onboard ETFs into the portfolio. I'm guessing the other benefit with ETFs or unit trust funds is the fact that it's also much easier to build a Sharia compliant fund from unit Indeed. trust funds than it is for ETFs because there isn't a large selection of uh, Sharia compliant ETFs out there for you to make a very liquid portfolio there. Is that part of the consideration here? Definitely. Indeed. Yeah, that's very true. Um, let's talk a little bit about the costs and the performance. Um, raise, uh, raises aggressive portfolio saw a 12-month return of 4.8% per, uh, annualized uh, from July 31st last year till July 31st this year, whereas the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund ETF uh, was up around 9.7% over the same period. Now, obviously, one has a much stronger local bias and one is a more globalized portfolio. With this in mind, uh, ID, why, why should people look at Raise and say, this is the option for me? Right. Um, well, first thing first, uh, I cannot deny uh, the fact that, uh, you know, Raise portfolio are very much um, domestic, mm-hmm. uh, concentrated. Um, so that is uh, one of the main consideration that we are looking at uh, in our portfolio review. But, uh, you know, for a quick exposure to global, our investors can always opt for the custom portfolio they can, where they can, um, you know, they can opt and choose which uh, any specific fund that they may be interested with. Um, I think at race, um, we focus a lot on, um, we emphasize a lot on the importance of uh, savings uh, as opposed to investing. Well, that is the first phase. I think if we are looking at our investors' demographic, where most of them uh, are very new to investing, so maybe I can share with you uh, a quick survey that we have had among our investors. Uh, it reveals that 30%, uh, more than 30% of them are actually new. Uh, so that is one uh, finding. Second finding is um, very interesting finding. Um, the main challenge that we see is actually financial literacy mm. uh, among our investors. The challenge of explaining to them uh, how, you know, first day you invest 10 ringgit, for an example, the next day it become 9 ringgit and 80 cents. <laughs> you know, they call and they shout. And so panic sets in. They panic, yes. So that is the main challenge that we are facing. So I think at RISE, what we are focusing on at the moment is, uh, you know, to get them uh, on board to recap the market first, get their foot wet, you know, and learn what is the true nature of investing, uh, get them familiarized with uh, market ups and downs. And we think if they uh, were to experiment this with low uh, amount of money, they become less obsessive with uh, market fluctuations. So after, you know, they get the hang of it, then they will start, uh, they will have more confidence. So they will start putting in more money and be more focused in investing. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the position you're in, ID. And, uh, you know, but when I take a look at the scene here and I see that return of 4.8% over a 12 month versus, you know, 5% underperformance there from the global portfolio. Uh, and I start, then I immediately start thinking about something like EPF as an alternative, right? Um, how, how do you navigate that? that um, how do you navigate this? Because EPF in itself is a kind of competitor uh, for you at these kind of rates. I think um, for us, um, well, the main, uh, if, if you are aware, the, the uh, main pain point of Malaysians 
no, from the EPF point of view, uh, I think more than 20% or 25% is having less than 1,000 ringgit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And from the BNM's point of view, more than the, from the survey they have, they have had, more than 75%, uh, they don't have even 1,000 ringgit mm-hmm. in, their, in their emergency fund. So that is what we want to address first, you know, um, together with them, uh, build the savings habit first. So we are talking about inculcating uh, this habit, you know, once uh, they are, you know, they are familiar with it and then we would ask them to keep, you know, keep going, keep the momentum going. Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, you know, savings habits, you would also want to look at things like money market funds as well, right? Yeah. Um, is it, do you have any money market funds on your platform right we now? Do. Mm. We do. Now, raise charges one ringgit fifty cents a month at minimum for accounts less than six thousand ringgit. So, if you're going to be using raise, make sure you're putting in some active money. Correct. You know, don't leave ten ringgit in it and lose one ringgit and fifty cents each <laughs> month. Um, but, but in all seriousness, for those having more than six thousand ringgit, your annual management fee is point zero point three percent, which is lower than most other players out there. That said, you do use more expensive uh, tools. We use unit trust funds, which have higher expense ratios. Uh, give us a sense of the full range of fees and costs that you should expect on Race Malaysia? Right. Uh, I think uh, we are offering a very simple and uh, transparent fee model. It's just one ringgit and 50 cents a month if you are having a balance less than 6,000 ringgit. Anything more than that, it will be 0.025% a month or 0.3% per year. Um, there is no uh, fee to deposit, uh, no fee to withdraw. Uh, it comes with unlimited portfolio change and unlimited withdrawals. So it's quite straightforward. I think uh, the idea is to make everything as simple as possible so that users are used uh, to the model. So that's the whole idea. Yeah, yeah uh, but you know, at 0.3% annual management fee, I look at this and I I know some of the other business models for the robo-advisors, you know, even at 0.8% at 1% annual management fees, they are struggling to make ends meet. So what's the strategy here for the longer term? Um, From well, a business perspective, of course. Yeah, we will start introducing more revenue streams. Uh, definitely, that is definitely in one of the, uh, one of the uh, business plan. Uh, not just relying on a fee on asset and the management uh, and probably um, re-looking at our subscription model mm. that is also in the pipeline. And, you know, uh, working with uh, more brand partners, leveraging on our data, um, yeah, so this 0.3% here is part of your, I guess, you know, get people on the platform, but you're looking at other ways to monetize yeah. the platform later on. Mm-mm, correct. I think let's wrap up on this note then. Um, five years from now, we're back in the studio and we're here to talk about Raise Malaysia. Idealistically speaking, what do you want Raise Malaysia to look like in five years? Uh, our What we live to see is, of course, to onboard as many Malaysians as possible. When when we say Malaysians, we are talking about average Malaysians, uh, people on the street, people who are, who are just about to learn uh, to save um, and invest. So the mission is, you know, the whole idea of lowering the barrier of investing is to onboard these people who are often being neglected by, you know, by, by investment bankers, by financial planners, just for the fact because they don't have, you know, they don't have much money. They're not an attractive enough target market. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on that note, ID, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me.
Folks, I've been speaking with ID Izam, CEO of Raise Malaysia, a joint venture between Australian robo-advisor Raise Invest and Pomodala National Berhad. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.